This question is from Keso, and it went on to say, I have a Bible question. As a parent, I think more attention should be paid to redeeming our children, youth than raising them. What are the ways the Bible addresses the issue of disgruntle in different youth? And how can we reach their hearts and introduce them to Jesus? Can you share any story or experiences from the Bible or what Jesus did for a youth, if any? Looking forward to hearing from you. Well, that's interesting. You want to read the answer, the other stuff from there, just start from there, I so, or something. Okay. The Bible says, train up a child in the way that he should go. And when he's old, he will not depart from it. Proverbs 22, 6. It is the responsibility of the parents to train from birth in the right way, including the way of God. The problem is many parents fail to train the children in moral issue and the fear of God. If the parent himself does not know the Lord, nor fear God, he cannot teach what he does not know. You use the word redeeming the child, which means the child is already gone away into slavery or sin, especially when they are now teenagers. The solution is prayer, instruction, showing example, be an example of a believer. Is still possible teaching the word of God to the child, teenagers, which can be done by encouraging the teenager to listen or attend Bible studies from evangelical teachers. We are on radio in Ibadan, Lagos, and those teaching may help youth to begin to get interested in the things of the Lord. Praise God. Okay. So well, that that is a question concerning raising children. Like you have listened, the the lady that wrote this was saying she had experience, and, and she was actually asking that do we have examples of in the scriptures of how youth can be dealt with? Here is an example that we that somebody actually used recently. Apostle Paul was talking to Timothy in the book of. First Timothy or Second Timothy, he was telling Timothy that he could recognize in Timothy that the faith that was in Timothy. Timothy was a young man that followed Apostle Paul when he was preaching about. And being a young man, he most likely was a teenager, 18 years or something like that. Apostle Paul was the one preaching and then he said, he came to, he came to this town and he said this young man was already a believer. When because Apostle has already founded the church over there, but when he went away and came back, this young man and his family has joined. So they saw that this young man is 
evangelical, so they recommended him to follow Apostle Paul. So Apostle Paul said, I could see in you, let me read it the way Apostle Paul said it, that the faith that was in Timothy was actually passed down to Timothy from his grandparents, Lois, and his mother, Eunice, which means they trained the child well until he was an adult that he was following his parents or his mom, if you can say just his mom, into the word of God that when, when Apostle Paul met Timothy, you could see that there was a faith already built up in Timothy. And he could realize that that actually was an heritage that Timothy got from his mom and his grandmother. And that is an example of how you can say this is in 2 Timothy chapter 1. Apostle Paul writing a second letter to Timothy said, when, verse 5, 2 Timothy chapter 1 verse 5, when I call to remembrance the unfeigned faith that is in thee, that's in Timothy, which dwelt first in thy grandmother Lois and thy mother Eunice, and I'm persuaded that in thee also. So what was he telling us? The second question is from Elphis, and he went on to ask, uh, I recently read a book written by uh, an evangelist where the writer said in his book that we should call our Messiah by his true Hebrew name, Yeshua, and not by a name that was changed by the translation of the Bible. All through this book, she used Yeshua as his name. Is this right? I hope you let me know. God bless you as you do. Uh, you can read the answer that I gave to, to him in that one. Okay. Uh, peace be unto you. If you have called him Jesus and prayed to him as Jesus, and he has answered your prayers, stick with Jesus. He loves you. I was in a dream before I was born again and was pursued by a wicked assailant. I screamed and cried out, Jesus. And a heavily army began to march towards me. Heavenly. And an heavenly army began to march towards me and the enemy fled. So don't change from the name in the Bible you have. In Yoruba it is written, Jesu. Whatever name is written in your Bible as no other name under heaven given among men whereby we must be saved. Act 4.12 Remember to call him the complete name, Lord Jesus Christ. There are so many Jesuses, even Yoruba, uh, Yeshua is used by many as their name. So which Yeshua are you calling? A friend's name is David and Miss. He told me he preferred to be called Miss 
as all his friends call him by that name. Who calls you by David, I ask? He smiled. To him, it will be rude and insult for anyone else to call him David. So Yeshua is not the name the Gentiles call, not Jesus Christ. Okay, praise God. I don't think I need to do any further explanation on that. Here is another one from, from, okay, this one is another one that we can capitalize on. The question is number one, and the answer is perhaps number one. Yeah. So from Brazil, this is the question, right? Yeah. From, uh, this question is from Yemi. I have been researching the subject of Titan for quite some time now. While examining Hebrews 7 with the change over of the priestly order, I realized that the legal requirements have been done away with. It is true that Abraham did tithe of his spoil after he received bread and wine from the king of Salem, and the Levite also paid tithes in him at that time. However, we need to realize that we who were Gentiles were grafted to the vine purely by faith. We never paid tithes in Abraham. Moreover, as our Lord Jesus is, so are we, a royal priesthood and a chosen generation. Here's according to the promise, we are already priests of the order of Melchizedek with the default ministry of reconciliation because the copy has been done away with we receive tithe from Abraham while in the loins of Melchizedek. The progression genealogy of the order of Melchizedek is now purely by faith. The continuity of the priesthood is from the father not even death can separate us from our inheritance. We already possess eternal life. It seems to me that we have used the tithe to maintain centrally based organizations and refuse to obey what is required of the New Testament believers, which is free will given until absolutely every need is met in the body of Christ this was clearly demonstrated by the early church. In fact, this is the type of giving that gets multiplied just as the feeding of the 5,000 men. Please share any insight you have in this subject area. Let me, let me read the answer so that I can get some Bible verses that I use here. Now, I was answering this. I said, your understanding is quite good. And the argument about tightening or not tightening has been presented on both sides. Because there was a time some brethren in Nigeria were sending the same something about tightening. I personally have not joined in the argument. However, since you asked, this is now me explaining why since you asked, I say, remember that Abraham gave tight and there was no record how he became aware of the tightening principle. We can only assume that the eternal God gave the understanding to him. Later, the idea of tithing was passed down to Jacob and the Israelites. It was not the law of Moses that brought it. Now, remember that it's not the law of Moses. People assume it's old 
That's why the law of Moses know Abraham got the understanding that when God created this place and put when you look at it, he created Adam here to tend his garden. And think of if you have a lease, you buy you, you are a farmer or you are you somebody owned the land and he gave you to take care of it to be planting and be making use of it, then perhaps you need to be giving him some some part of the fruit of the land. And that is what God was actually requiring from the Hebrews when he told them that they should be bringing the fruit of the land of some percentage of it to him. So that was what really the understanding Abraham got when he was giving the tithe to Melchizedek. And it was not that uh, it was the law that was given to Moses. That was what I was pointing out. That as Abraham knew about it even before Moses. And then I went further. I said, it was not the law of Moses that brought it, it I can therefore say it is an ordinance of the Almighty God. That was what I was trying to explain. That he created this place and he put man here to tend the garden. Of course, he has the right to say, bring me some. It's like when you have a child and your son is a little baby and you say, okay, uh, daddy give you this something and you say, okay, you want to train your child to be generous. Okay, give something back to daddy. And he says, it's mine. Then you know that you have to train that child to know that even though you have you, the father is one that gave this thing to this child, you want this child to know that he has to be generous. To give a little bit back to daddy, and he say no, he's not going to give anything back to daddy. It's, it's like not understanding that everything belongs to the to the daddy in the first place. That is what God was teaching mankind. Everything belongs to him. Now he said, okay, turn this guy in, and then just give me one fifth of it or one tenth of it. And if you refuse to give it, it's almost like you don't even understand that God created all things and He owns everything. And He gave you this part so that you can appreciate what He has done for you. So remember, God put mankind here to till His land. That's what I'm continuing in the exhortation. And therefore, He ought to receive of the fruit of the earth. That was the ordinance Abraham was aware of. When God put the Israelites in Canaan, He told them to do the same. For the portion of the earth which God restricted himself to, since man left God. We who have come back to God should therefore participate in his heart's desire to give the fruit of the earth. This is the insight that comes to my spirit as I start to write about this. May the Lord reveal this to your heart. As to whether you are, we are typified in Melchizedek, that's answering his explanation, we're saying that we are now in Melchizedek, we have collected tied from Abraham, so and so forth. I said, I will not generalize this to mean all Christians are uh, now in the Melchizedek because according to the Revelation, only some of the saints fall into this category. That's the different, uh, a different sermon. Uh, uh, but what I have just said here is that look, God put man here for Praise the Lord. Well, we will continue this message in the next broadcast. The Bible said, precept shall be upon precept, line upon line, a little there, a little there. And I pray that you will not miss the next broadcast so that you can build upon that which you have just learned today. The Bible said, faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the word of God. In, in other words, we can say faith cometh by hearing and hearing and hearing and hearing the word of God. It's not just a one-time shot. You must keep 
here in the world so that your faith can be built up. We shall continue this message in the next broadcast. Don't miss the next broadcast. God bless you.